Kenny the Sports Guy podcast. Hello and welcome back to Kenny the Sports Guy's podcast. I'm your host, Kenny Sabura, and welcome to another edition of Bench Talk. Joining the show today is Mia Sabran, co-founder and owner of Levy, a counseling and physical therapy business. Ms. Zambrano was a former D1 soccer player from the University of Connecticut and eventually gained her master's at the University of Boston. After her college days, she launched Levy Lifestyle, a psychotherapy and counseling business that focuses on mental health. Please welcome to the show, Mia Zambrano. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Hi, Kenny. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. No problem. So the first question I have for you today is, Tell me about your soccer days, about, <laughs> you know, I know you were a former D1 soccer player, and yeah. do you care to give like a little backstory to that? Sure, yeah. Um, I've always been very much into sports. The actually real first exposure I had to, to sports and competing and any physicality was karate, actually. I got my black belt. Uh, I've been playing soccer also almost since I can walk. And I just loved the sport, played a little bit of lacrosse and basketball. Uh, so yeah, I just, I really enjoyed soccer and I followed it through. And, you know, by middle school, I was playing club soccer. I'm originally from New Jersey. I know you're from New York and mm-hmm. live in New York. Uh, so <laughs> it was, yeah, it was a lot of traveling uh, near and far. And that was my family. I just spent so much time with them. And there was just so much value to it for me. Obviously, there was the competing part that I loved. But it was just you learned so much in those days. And my big goal was to play Division One soccer. And I did. And it was it was awesome. So what was so giving back to your soccer games, I want you to think back. What yeah. was the best soccer game you had you think you had in college? Oh God, the best soccer game. So actually, so our senior day at Sacred Heart University, it was our last home game before we graduated. And I, you know, it's hard not to show up for that. Right. But it was just, it was, it was funny because it was just very epic the way it started. The, you know, we always line up for the the national anthem and the speaker mm-hmm. broke. And instead of all of us panicking and just kind of standing there, we all just started singing at the top of our lungs and everyone was standing up and singing it. And it was just, it was a great game. I just remember giving everything I could possibly have, just kind of thinking about that being my last game there. Next question I have for you is, what did you learn from the game of soccer that you implemented towards your business? So much. I think dedication and just kind of knowing that you have to give your all to get get what you want, you know, Um, and it's a team. I was a captain in high school and I just learned so much that, you know, whoever you leave behind, it, it pulls everyone down. So I think just very much a team mentality and working together and picking each other up goes a lot further than putting each other down. And I I would say even before that, like from a young age, I knew I wanted to be a mental health. Well, that might be ambitious to say, but I knew I wanted to help people. I was always the one people came to talk to in soccer. I was the one, you know, always trying to help people out, make sure they were comfortable at the top of the game. So I just feel like soccer and and athletics kind of brought that even to the forefront to be able to want to pursue that. And finally, who is your favorite teammate you ever played with? (laughs) I know it's a a bit of a question, but (laughs) 
My favorite soccer team. So, oh, that's that's tough. And I hope no one picks against <laughs> any of this. But oh gosh, you know, that's that's a cute question. So my favorite soccer team. So my stepdad coached my elementary like back in the day. And it was just fun. It was lighthearted. We were, you know, champs for multiple years in a row. And then in, you know, I would say high school, just because we went through different names because we were taken over by different clubs, but it was just so much fun to travel. We were in hotels almost every weekend. We, you know, I, I lived in New Jersey, like I said, but we would travel all over the place. We would drive to Maryland for a game. We'd go to Florida for the Orlando Classic and the, the Orange Classic and stuff like that. So it's hard not to say that that was my favorite just because I was constantly with those girls. We were practicing every week. We were traveling together. We were competing together. We were going to college showcases together. Um, we hit the highs and lows together at that, you know, that time of your life. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So the next question I have is, let's talk about a little bit about Levy. So yeah. after your, your soccer career wind down, you started Levy, obviously. Yeah. Tell me more about that. How did Levy get started? Get started. Yeah, sure. So I started... Um, you know, dipping my toes into being a therapist or, you know, actually it started as a mentor while I was still in college. I went to, like I said, where I was at Sacred Heart University in Connecticut. So right around the corner was Bridgeport. And mm -hmm. I worked in the high schools as a mentor for some of those schools. And it just kind of solidified for me that that was what I wanted to do was to really work with, especially that age and, and older. And I moved through my career, like I, I graduated and I went to Boston University to further my career for my master's. And after I graduated, I worked in a number of settings. I worked in really intense settings. I was doing in-home family therapy where I traveled to people's houses. I did school-based. I did outpatient um, where people would come to the office. And I would say about you know six years into my career there, we had a lot going on and ended up moving to Florida. Yep. And, you know, it's been three years here now that I was practicing. Uh, last December, I had my son, my first child. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. And it was that kind of at that point that I said, you know what? I love what I do. I'm not willing to give it up. And to be able to be the mom I want to be and to really still feel enthusiastic about the work I'm doing to have that balance, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take a turn here. And I started with V. And we, it's just kind of steamrolled and it's become this really cool thing because when you do it on your own, right, when you kind of branch out and you're not under an agency or something like that, you get to be really creative with it. So it's not just therapy. I mean, I certainly provide traditional therapy services, but what I do is I really honed into this performance aspect. So I was trained in a couple different modalities, which is just a fancy way of like how you do what you do, essentially. Mm -hmm. So I was trained in a couple different ones that I've just saw so much overlap in value. Like this doesn't just need to be medical necessity, severe mental health. This could also benefit people who want to excel in, in life and in sports. And when you're asking your body, like, especially if we're talking about athletes, right? If you're asking your body to perform at a certain level and you're undergoing a certain amount of pressure, are you not also asking your mind to perform at that level? Yep, exactly. Right? Yeah. So that's what really inspired me. And, you know, it happened kind of 
it just was really cool how the two things I really love came together and just so worked out for me. And it started with kind of working with competitive athletes here and there, and then moved into working with teams, um, starting to work with coaches, kind of giving, you know, a little bit more information on mental health and there's much more to come. So that's very exciting. Yes, yeah, so me, as uh, before we started this uh, conversation, I told you off camera that I'm very big on mental health. And yeah. I believe that uh, the mind and the body are one. They are. And without the mind, that the body ceases to work. And I feel like there's not much uh, resources towards mental health, especially in the area I'm in. I live in New York City. Yeah. And I feel like with your company, it can help your business, it can help a lot of people in many different ways. And yeah, I think uh, mental health is very, very important. And it's okay to be okay, you know, uh, just reach out to people that that you believe that can help you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just gotta, you know, you gotta beat your demons, as I always say. Yeah. You know? So, So where did the name that be came from? So, Levy, so it, we kind of tweaked it a little bit, but like the life, it's kind of like letting you live life and showing up to your fullest potential. That's very much kind of this idea that luxury isn't just material, it's, it's a mental thing, right? Mm-hmm. To have a full, happy life, you have to be taken care of. Like you said, your mind and body are connected. Yes. I feel like we live in a time where physical health is talked about very often. And mental health, it's starting to, it's certainly picking up speed. Don't get me wrong. It's still not where we need to be though. No one would ever question you about going to the gym consistently. People still kind of ask you about maybe why you're going to therapy or maybe don't talk about going to therapy or, and it doesn't have to just be therapy. It's, you know, there's, there's coaching and consultation. There's so many ways to improve your mental health, just as you would improve your physical health. Mm -hmm. It's still a form of health and they're both so, so important. So that was really the launching point for Levy is just this idea that it's not settling. You're not weak or you don't have to be failing in life or nothing has to be drastically wrong to be taking care of yourself. And that's what kind of hit us. It was just like this idea of really living life to the fullest. Speaking of failures, uh, name a time that you have failed and how did you overcome your failure? Just one? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, could, it could be one. It could be 10. It could be a thousand. <laughs> yeah. Because no, uh, I, I believe I, that uh, failure is a part of life. So I've always fallen in the camp of failure is an incredible learning tool. And it's not something to necessarily judge yourself by. It's something to learn by. And I think it's actually very hard to compete, operate, function at a very high level without it. So as far as personal experiences, um, luckily I recently, uh, got to write an article on this. So I feel like I cheated a little bit with this question, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, a couple come to mind. So in addition to what we've talked about, I also am a writer and oh, nice. I rem- yeah, I remember my first kind of big opportunity came to be part of a book that was basically a compiled series of stories from mm-hmm. women who have overcome adversity or struggles in their life. And I was invited to contribute a chapter. And I was so excited. I kind of like didn't even give it a second thought. I said, yes, I was maybe just out of my master's. This was a while ago. And I, I, I wrote it down. I was so excited. I submitted it. And I just remember being like, what did I just do? 
I totally doubted myself. I questioned what I wrote, what I shared. I shared a lot of personal stuff um, in terms of just like family dynamics and, and my background and why I became a therapist. And some of that's, you know, some of it's pretty deep. And I'm very proud of all of that now. But I was young. And like I said, it was my first time really putting my work out there and getting published. And I would call it a failure because I got in my own way. It was a fantastic opportunity as a way to start getting my work noticed and who I was. And I remember when the launch came out, I didn't even get a copy for myself. I didn't tell anybody about it. Like I just kind of froze. And I think that it was such a valuable lesson. And, And luckily I was able to look at the situation and say, okay, there's definitely growing points. This this is something that if I want to pursue, I need to be very intentional about and very mindful mm-hmm. about in terms of what's the subject matter? What am I putting out there? How am I editing it? I want to be proud of that work. So there was truth in, in being able to grow in that way. And there was another just kind of fighting imposter syndrome as a, you know, as a young female, sometimes putting your work out there as a young anybody or like when you're first starting out, like, am I good enough to do this? Should I be doing this? Who do I think I am? So that's yes, a lot of... There's always, that, there's always that uh, doubt in your mind about about that too. It's so common. And that's a lot of ironically what I help people with now, whether they're athletes or business professionals or, you know, whatever level you may be at, even parents, like wh- whoever it is. So that's really the performance aspect. That's a lot of what I feel motivated by in terms of being able to overcome and just kind of work with yourself as opposed to against yourself. So the second question I have is, um, as humans, we sometimes have the tendency to have doubts in our mind, and we are not afraid to fail. So in your opinion, why do you think uh, people are afraid to fail in their lives? Yeah, so we have core emotions, right? We have core emotions. We're human. You know, it's not a bad thing. Emotions are never the bad thing. Yes, it is. It it's is our alert bad. system, right? And we happen to be creatures that are wired for survival. So mm-hmm. a lot of times we have experienced the emotion fear when something feels undesirable, threatening, uncomfortable, right? It's it's meant to be a protective feature. Yes, it is. So what happens is though, sometimes it overshoots and it becomes counterproductive. So in terms of fearing failure, right, it's a completely natural response. Failure isn't fun, right? Again, like if we were talking about it on a surface level, not necessarily where I was going before in terms of being a building, if you think about failure initially, it's not desirable. It's not something you would want. Of course, your brain's going to tell you to avoid something like that, right? So fear of failure. So of course, we're going to want to avoid unpleasant events, circumstances, situations. And that's where that fear of failure comes in. The problem is by not allowing yourself to go there and not overcoming that fear. And again, fear is a great informant. I'm not saying do away with it. I'm saying put it in the backseat of the car rather than letting it drive the car. And so like, it's also a good motivator too. Yeah, it absolutely some, can be In some cases though, in some cases. In some cases, exactly. And it's how yeah. we use it too. It's being able to kind of check the facts and is, is this helping me or is this working against me? So it's, a very natural and appropriate human response to fear failure. It's again, not something desirable. If we didn't fear it, we could be putting ourselves in very uncomfortable and very unfortunate situations consistently, right? Whether it be finances or jobs or, or relationships or whatever, you know, we want to be able to say like, Hey, I want to make sure I'm, I'm doing my part and creating a safe, healthy, whatever environment, a thriving environment. Now, again, that being said, it can be a huge deterrent towards reaching that next level. 
if we listen to it too much or it overcomes, it really can set us back tremendously and we wouldn't pursue things that might change our lives completely. And also, like, I've been told this many times that it's better to catch your fear early instead of late. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because uh, if you catch it late, then you're going to be paralyzed from like the mind at the waist down, all that stuff, man. Oh yeah. It's not, it's not a good, uh, it's not a good feeling. Believe me. <laughs> it's not, it's not at all. And you know what? That's, that's a really great point. It's very well said. And it's easier said than done. Right. Yep. In terms of being able to catch that fear, you have to have a relationship with those emotions. And I think for so many of us, you know, it, it still baffles me in school. We grow up, right. And we're taught, all these subjects, as we should, right? You get art, you get phys ed, you get the social studies, the math, you get all these things, right? Yeah. To set your foundation. The very core of what makes us human, we don't talk about emotions in school. Not not to like the extent no. where it's allocated. And no, it just baffles me. Yeah. We're, so we growing up, but we, we were taught to, you know, hide our emotions sometimes, you know? Right, exactly. Especially, or like, especially, especially as a man, like, uh, I oh, was yeah. like, you know, Mm -hmm. Just to your emotions, but in this case, it's not because we're all humans at the end of the day, and it's okay to cry about yeah. certain things, you know. Yeah, we, exactly. We hear, don't yeah. be sad, don't be angry, and and those emotions are so important to being human and to be able to know how to handle our environment and and be appropriate in our environments. And you raise such a great point. I think as as males, especially, we're taught to hide it, and then on the female side, it's don't be over dramatic. So. You know, I actually I love what Jay Glazer is doing right now in terms of really just talking about his mental health and bringing that into a level where it's the NFL, where they're able to say, like, we're we're grown men and we have emotions, too, and we need to take care of our mental health. And that's a lot of what my mission has been as well is, hey, we this isn't something that we, you can swipe under the rug. You can't just brush this under the rug. This is something that if it's there, it's there. And at the end of the day, you may be the best athlete there is. And if you, you have mental health and if you don't take care of it, it's going to be your demise. We've seen it. Exactly. We've seen it. Yeah. We've seen it so many times. So um, many especially, times. Especially with the, we just coming out with the pandemic and yes, there's been a lot of um, people affected by mental health due to the pandemic. And oh, of course, some, some of them didn't make it. Um, right. Are still fighting it to this day. Mm -hmm. but the next question I have for you is, um, what message do you have for people that are currently suffering from mental health while watching this video? Uh, yeah, I love that question. There is help and there's so much strength in getting help. Again, you wouldn't deprive yourself if you were you were sick physically. You wouldn't not go to the doctor because you don't deserve it or you shouldn't. Right. It, it's it's something that, you know, with how much has been developed in the mental health field as well. There's so many needs of intervention. There's so many levels of intervention. There, you know, there's insurance, there's, you know, sometimes there's not. And I, I can appreciate that there are different levels of access. Uh, and there are different levels of access, right? Like you can get help. There are ways. I love that, you know, the suicide hotline, as we know, has changed to 988. So it's easy to remember. It's readily accessible. It's been used more, which is, you know, obviously it's upsetting that it's, it has to be used more. And it's great because they're offering more support. So, you know, it's a means of growth, whether you are suffering to the point where you can't get out of bed or you're so anxious, you're avoiding um, or, you know, life happens like I, I think I may be biased because, again, I am a therapist, but there's no <laughs> harm in getting mental health. 
Again, there's no harm in, in working out your body and taking care of your physical health. Why would there be harm in developing your mental health and optimizing that mentality and, and giving yourself these tools to be the best person you could be? You're not just doing that for yourself. You're doing that for everyone around you. It's a ripple effect. Exactly. And you could be the best version of yourself, as I, as I always say, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. So the, another question I have is, if you were to, if you were to have a therapy session with one professional athlete dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh my gosh, a therapy session. Yeah. <laughs> so this so it's like who do I want to meet versus So this is very counterintuitive to say because I am a diehard Steelers fan. Oh, you are? If it's I am. Sunday too. I'm I'm a diehard of Jets fan too. So. I know this about you from your podcast. Yeah. I am a diehard Steelers fan, born and raised, bleed black and yellow, blah, blah, blah. And of course, my husband is a Patriots fan. Oh. Now, of course, the Tampa <laughs> fan too, because of Brady and, you know, Gronk was there and everything. So it was yeah. hard not to follow the transition, especially us moving to Florida the same year. Very ironic, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, to be able to sit in a room with Tom Brady, just, I feel like he's the greatest in so many ways. He takes care of his physical and, and, and mental health and, I don't know the capacity, of course, that he takes care of his mental health, but it's very clear that he has a mentality that is unbreakable, right? Not not many people can do that two-minute drill and march down the field like that. That doesn't just happen by accident. That's not just physical. He right? does it with ease. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So just to be able to sit in his presence and like, again, this probably wouldn't be a therapy session because I'd be asking him about so many things, but just to be able to sit with someone like that and someone who I feel like is to an extent a mental health advocate. I feel like he's, you know, stood up for teammates. He's stood up for different situations. He talks about the importance of wellness and holistic wellness. His book is fantastic. So I think being able to sit with him would be great. Now, as far as a therapy session, I want to, maybe unpopular opinion. I would love to sit down with Antonio Brown and actually about to say that too. I, was I would love to sit with him and just be like, <laughs> here, here we go. Because he used to play for the Steelers back then. And yeah. apparently, mm-hmm. like, he, I think he really needs a therapy because. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, we won't last, go into um, I won't publicly diagnose anyone. But I feel <laughs> like that would be a really cool experience to sit with someone who, again, we. We've seen time and time again, especially in the NFL, and I'm sure in other sports as well. I just happen to be really big into football, but we see the failures. And I think what's ha- what happens is we're so quick to judge and just see the failure without saying like, what happened here? We see like, you know, unfortunately, these these men getting arrested. We see these domestic violence issues. We see X, Y, and Z. And, you know, even from a mental health standpoint, I'm not justifying or, or condoning any of that and saying it's just mental health, but- mm-hmm. Where's the help? Where's the support? Where's the the mandation to help these men who are being pushed and tried and and their bodies are taking such a toll? You know, th- there's a lot of research being done on the concussions and stuff like that. I don't know if you saw the um the documentary on Aaron Hernandez and stuff, yeah. but there's just there's so much that like they're starting to talk about it. Um, but just there's so there's so many times where we see it. And Ricky Williams, like there's so many people that like these high, high, high performing athletes that I just feel like don't have the support they need. I feel like it should be a baseline. 
they have team doctors. Why wouldn't you have someone that's, you know, there to support? And maybe they do. Maybe I'm overlooking something, but I just don't know why that wouldn't be an option to get your team to the highest mentality and performance. And that's kind of where I'm going with my career. Sounds beautiful. It sounds awesome. And the last question I have is where can people find that be and your social media handles? So on social media, so on Instagram, we are at LaVisyke. Um, and then on Facebook, I am at Sincerely Your Therapist. On TikTok, I'm at Sincerely Your Therapist. <laughs> and <laughs> as far as like, if you want to contact me directly, if you have questions, inquiries, uh, like I said, I do a lot of the performance consultation, not just for athletes, but for anyone who's just wanting to get to the next level, overcome maybe performance anxiety or, or social anxiety, anything um, to help get them to that next level. You can email me and maybe we can put this in the in the session notes too of just Mia, M-I-A at L-E-V-I-E dot life. So that's going to be in the description below. Um, I want to thank you for the time. And this has been like an amazing interview that I have done. Oh, thank you, Kenny. I really appreciate you having me on the show. Well, that's all the questions I have today. I want to thank Ms. Mia Zambrano for the time. You can find this episode at KenTheSportsGuy.com, Ken with two N's, and my YouTube channel, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. In addition, head on over to my social media pages on Twitter at Kenny underscore sports, Instagram at KennySportsGuy1, and TikTok at KennySportsPodcast. Until the next episode, See ya, and I hope you stay safe and healthy. Kenny, the Sports Guy Podcast.